the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 31st, 2011. And today, the first part of the study, we're going to be discussing, I guess if you could sum it up, it would be like pseudo-Christianity gone insane, essentially. There's about 10 pages of the PDF for this, uh, kind of dedicated to that subject. A lot of different things we'll be covering there. And um, then we're going to segue into the Norway shooter and try to answer some of the questions regarding that particular matter. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and our first article here is entitled Another Step Closer to One World Religion 50 U.S. Churches to Read from the Koran Uh, This is from, I guess, the American Dream is the source So this is uh, uh, from June 27, 2011 So it's about a month old here The three pillars of the New World Order that the global elite want to bring about are the one-world economy, a one-world government, and a one-world religion. A lot of attention gets paid to the development of the first two pillars, but the third pillar gets very little attention. With this particular ministry, actually probably we concentrate on the third pillar more than anything, whereas what they're saying, generally speaking, uh, even from a secular standpoint, they don't tend to focus as much on a one-world religion as they would the other two pillars that were mentioned. Anyway, back to the article. But the truth is that the one-world religion is getting closer than ever. Quote, interfaith conferences and meetings are being held with increasing frequency over the globe. And again, essentially what that means is the melding of different and various cultic uh, false religions that are coming together. And a lot of those would be under the guise of pseudo-Christianity as well. Major global religious leaders are urging all of us to focus on the shared religious traditions. So in other words, don't worry about what we don't have in common. Let's just focus on what we do have in common. And the Bible is very clear. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Or Christ with Belial or the devil? 2 Corinthians 6.14 So, It's just, there's no Bible for it whatsoever. And uh, if you, I mean, it's going to bring God's wrath on you if you are a true born-again Bible-believing Christian and you start to do these things. He will chasten you. uh, Because whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards, whereas you're an illegitimate child. So these people that are involved in these interfaith um, religions and Christianity melding with Islam and Christianity melding with whatever. Uh, much of the time, you'll see these types of people do this and think that they do with God's service. Uh, as the Bible talks about, <clears throat> when it talks about they that kill you will actually think they're doing God's service. It's kind of similar to that concept. Uh, they feel good about themselves. It just feels right. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He who trusteth his own heart is a fool, as the Bible says. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All that really matters are our opinions are totally irrelevant. All that really matters is what the Word of God clearly mandates and states regarding not yoking up with unbelievers, particularly in a a religious context. 
you know. Uh, you can't avoid people in general, and we're not supposed to because we're supposed to be um, ambassadors for Christ. We're not supposed to hide our light under a basket. And, and this is how people ultimately end up getting saved through other Christians, the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit working through them to bring them to a faith in Christ. Uh, it's just it's just a very messed up scenario he, we have here. There's no Bible for it, for yoking up with these other uh, cults. So let's go further. <clears throat> the belief that all religions are equally valid paths to the same destination is being taught in houses of worship and at religious institutions all over the globe. <clears throat> they are equally valid paths on the way to the broad way, which leadeth to destruction, narrow the way that be, leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. So they, they, are, all, they are all equally valid paths to hell, uh, but not to heaven. The interfaith movement is being promoted by NGOs, which are non-profit organizations, or actually, um, yeah, non-profit organizations. And I'm sorry, that's NPOs, or non-profit organizations. And um, the NGOs are non-governmental organizations. And private private voluntary organizations, which are called PVOs. And are the most used terms are used, and these terms are used interchangeably despite differing definitions. So these terms, NGOs, um, non-governmental organizations, NPOs, non-profit organizations, which would fall under the guise of the 501c3 non-profit church, which 99.9% of churches in America are, if they've got some type of facade or building that type of structure. I'm not really talking about home churches. Obviously, that wouldn't apply most of the time to home churches. I'm sure probably some are. Um, <clears throat> but this not... I, I, th- I thought it was interesting that they brought that up, that the interfaith movement is mostly being promoted, and then the nonprofit organizations are actually being included in that, which is true. I mean, you see... Lutherans and, and Methodists and, and a lot of the really, really lukewarm pseudo-Christian denominations, obviously Catholicism in these, really promoting this interfaith melding of one another. See, they're already on the uh, one world religion freight train. Why do I say that? Well, because they're already a 501c3 corporation, essentially, non-profit. They had to get their right to exist, essentially, by our government. That was what created their 501c3 nonprofit. They had to get their permission to exist by the government, our government, and abide by the rules that the IRS lays down for them. Now, you can't serve two masters. You can't... um, Anything with two heads is a monster. So, it really doesn't surprise me that they would mention them in this context, which would confirm all of the other teachings we've done on the 501c3 church. Just key in, I don't know, 501 or 501c3 uh, in the search box on contendingfortruth.com if you want to know more about that subject. I've, I've done extensive teachings on this subject and how they will be used by the New World Order and how they've already yoked up in many factions with Homeland Security, uh, FEMA. It's horrific what they're being set up to actually do and foist 
on their congregations via the pastor, who will be the main ringleader for each individual church, in order to implement whenever things get really bad, whether it be forced vaccinations, whether it be um, pickups to go to the concentration camps. These will be actually meeting points. These will be actually pickup points. These will be where the propaganda of the government of the that they serve, because they're not serving, for the most part, I'm not saying all, I think some of them are going to finally figure this out, but I'm saying for the most part, you know, they're going to, they're going to serve the government. They're going, to, they're going to believe whatever the government tells us to do, because Romans 13 supposedly teaches that, and it doesn't. And I've done a whole teaching on Romans 13, and many others have, well, just key in Romans 13. It doesn't mean unlimited subservience to the government. And it sure doesn't mean it in, in regard to uh, if the Bible tells you to do one thing and the government's telling you to do another, well, choose whom this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. So that's what they're going by, Romans 13. They're already yoked up with the government. They're already yoked up with unbelievers. They've already been got their right to exist and been created by the government so people can write it off on their IRS taxes. The Bible says when you give, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not supposed to, You're not supposed to give to be seen of men. And I'm not saying anybody that's ever given to a 501c3, was that was their intention. Okay, not implying that, but some people do. Some people do. I'm, I know that. I've been in the churches long enough to know that. And they get preferential treatment and things of this nature. And, and the church gets subsidies for having this 501c3 status in, in certain governmental benefits. And the government doesn't hassle them because they're already part of their system. It's a big deal. It really is. I really believe it's a huge deal in God's eyes. This is something that's hardly ever even discussed in church. What is actually happening to that church from a spiritual standpoint when you make this contract with the government? What's happening from a spiritual standpoint? Christ did not create that corporation. He had nothing to do with its formation. Well, Christ is supposed to be the head of the church, right? He had nothing to do with that creation. Do you think maybe part of the reason why the churches are so lukewarm and so deluded and so out of touch and so greedy and money hungry, for the most part, not everyone, but for the most part, has something to do with this corporate status, this yoking up with unbelievers? I mean, we've went over enough stuff on, on the, uh, the government in these teachings to hopefully firmly convince you that the people that are at the head of the government are wicked. And you think about it, well, okay, who controls them? Well, you could say the Illuminati, the 13 families that essentially control the earth. Who controls them? Satan. Who are they subject to? Satan and the fallen angels. It's just not something you want to be a part of. So going further, let me just read this last statement again. The interfaith movement is being promoted by the NGOs, the NPOs, and the PVOs. And I've already explained those definitions. And these are the most used terms and are used interchangeably despite differing definitions. Uh, Also, charitable foundations and top politicians, in other words, these are other things that are promoting the interfaith um, movement, 
charitable foundations and top politicians, and it's being backed by big money all over the planet. Big money. It's very important to Satan and his fallen angels and his hierarchy of people that are underneath him, Illuminati, politicians that are like puppets on a string, you know, you could go on and on and on about that whole thing. Catholicism, the Vatican, Zionism, there's a lot of different flavors in, in, in aspects to that. But it's very important to them to set the stage for this coming one world religion. That is going to be the biggest thing by far that motivates people in the end times. I don't really believe it's going to be so much the political and the economic because the Bible says that when Satan and the false prophet come, he's going to come they're going to come with all lying signs and wonders and miracles. They're, whereby they will be able to deceive the whole world. And if it be possible, they shall deceive the very elect, according to Matthew 24, 24. Is that, is that economic? Is that political, what I just mentioned? No, it's of a religious context. Lying signs and wonders implies a religious context. He's going to be, they're going to be saying, they're going to be doing all these lying signs and wonders and miracles to convince you to think that he is essentially, particularly the Antichrist, the false prophet is going to point to the Antichrist, that he is becoming essentially the New World Order Savior. That's a religious context. So this One World Religious thing is a really big deal that we're seeing this formation of it here. And it totally lines up with the Bible. Continuing further, now some U.S. churches are trying to take things to another level. On June 26th, the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., and approximately, it's like Satan Central, Washington, D.C. I mean, just watch the documentary Riddles in Stone. Um, it's about Chris Pinto, I believe, yeah. You can find it up on the... Uh, <clears throat> up on the internet. Just watch that. If you're not convinced Washington, D.C. isn't one of the most wicked places in all of America, at bare minimum. So on June 26th, the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. and approximately 50 other churches in 26 U.S. states will publicly read from the Quran during their Sunday worship services. It's like 1 Corinthians 5. They glory in their shame. And that was about a, a church that was becoming apostate, big time. So it would also apply to this. They're glorying in their shame. They're publicly going to read from the Quran. Like that makes them so wonderful and so with it. And so non-prejudicial. And so above the regular fundamental Bible-believing Christian which is just passe to them. What is it in God's eyes? That's all that really matters. Who cares what anybody's opinion is? It's an abomination from the pit of hell in God's eyes. Reading from the Quran and your church and your Sunday morning services. The Quran, which tells its followers... Why don't they read the verses where it tells their followers to kill and slay all the infidels and to behead them? And to have no mercy on them. What are infidels? Non-believers in Islam? 
So they're reading out of a book that basically tells its followers to kill the Christians if they will not convert. Kill the Jews first and then the Christians, essentially, or or non-believers in Islam. But I think the Christians would be the second on the list after the Jews. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense to me, you know, why you'd want to read the Quran in your church. You know, the only thing, I've read the Quran many times, but I quote those verses. I'm not reading it to glorify it. I'm reading it to flagrantly, I mean, show you the flagrant um, agenda that it preaches. It's, it's not hidden. Whenever these discussions come up about Islam, and then all you have to do is look at all the terrorist attacks all over the world. All the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are being have been killed are being killed, are being oppressed. And, I mean, these people, particularly like in Africa and a lot of these places in the Middle East, they're killed in the most horrific ways you could imagine. But the Quran condones it all. But it's a religion of peace, so don't worry. You know, it's it's all good. We mustn't judge. He who is spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. Judge not lest ye be judged only applies when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. That's the context of that chapter. We're supposed to judge. The Bible, if you go through and like in Isaiah and a lot of other places in the Old Testament, you look at one of the signs of God's greatest that he's left that, or either that society is under God's judgment or God's just, the spirit of the Lord has departed from them, is when there is no judgment in the land. There's no true righteous judgment. God loves true righteous judgment. It's an attribute of him. But it's not an attribute that typically gets discussed by most churches because it would make people feel uncomfortable. And they just want to believe that he's the big guy in the sky, he's just a God of love, and he, there's no such thing as God's judgment. And that's not true. So going further, <clears throat> this is all part of an interfaith project being promoted by the Interfaith Alliance and the Humans right, Human Rights First. The theme of this Sunday is, quote, Faith Shared, Uniting in Prayer and Understanding. Unbelievable. Uniting in prayer. And the goal is apparently to show how much Christian churches in the United States respect Islam. Of all devil cults to say you respect. I mean, I can't tell you how many teachings I've done on the subject. The garbage that this devil cult condones. To, you know... They worship Allah, the moon god. It's not the... It's, yeah, it's monotheistic from that standpoint. It's, it's just one uh, deity that they're supposedly worshipping. But it's not the god of the Bible. I mean, if it was the god of the Bible, the Quran wouldn't contradict the Bible. Why? Because God says, you know, I'm not the author of confusion. I changeth not. Well, the Quran is totally contradictory contradictory to the Bible in thousands of places. So, we're not talking about the same God here. That's another... Well, this is where they say we have common ground. It's the same God. No, it's not. That's an abomination. That is blasphemy to say that the God of Islam is the same God that Christians worship. If you were to say that, not only is it blasphemous, but it would show your utter, unbelievable biblical ignorance. 
I mean, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying if, if, if I were to say that, I would say it about myself. I'm not trying to hold them to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. It's pure evil. The following are some other prominent U.S. churches that will be doing Quran readings this Sunday. Christ Church in New York City, All Saints Church in Pasadena, California, Park Hill Congregation in Denver, Hillview United Methodist in Boise, Idaho, First United Lutheran in San Francisco, St. Elizabeth's Episcopal Church in Honolulu. All In all, 26 U.S. states will be participating. But these Quran readings are just supposed to be the beginning of something much bigger. The Quran... No, I'm sorry. The following is from a description of the Quran reading project on the website of Human Rights First. And it says, quote, At its core, this project will bring together Christian, Jewish, and Muslim clergy to read from and hear from each other's sacred texts. Again, a total abomination in God's eyes. In doing so, they will serve as a model for respect and cooperation and create a concrete opportunity to build and strengthen working ties between and among faith communities moving forward. Moving forward into the abyss, is what it should say. All of these people that follow this movement are all on their way to hell. They're all going to go to hell unless they break free from this garbage and get saved. I mean, okay, maybe there's an exception to the rule somewhere in there. Maybe there's some born-again Christian within this, and they're just totally uneducated about the whole thing. But I would have to say the vast, vast, vast majority of the people participating in this are all on their way to hell. And I love them enough to tell them the truth. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? According to Galatians 4.16, most of the time, yeah, you tell somebody the truth, you're going to become their enemy. Oh well. Your life as a Christian is not a popularity contest. The truth is that all Americans have the freedom to read the Quran whenever they want. But should Christian churches be reading from it during Sunday worship? And should they be seeking to build and strengthen in working ties with Islamic groups that are seeking to promote and spread the Islamic death cult? Obviously, it's no. Um, <clears throat> obviously, many Christian leaders are not pleased with this development. Worldwide President or World Worldview Weekend President Brandon House recently made the following comment regarding the reading of the Quran in the U.S. churches. Quote, they have denied the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, they have denied the inerrancy of Scripture, they have denied the inspiration of Scripture. End of quote. Sadly, this is not a new trend. The truth is that the interfaith movement has been building momentum for decades and some of the most prominent religious leaders in the world are involved. For example, the following excerpt is from a CNS article and talks about the huge interfaith event hosted by the Pope when he visited... Washington, D.C. in 2008. When Pope Benedict, the, what is it, the 16th, 
comes to, to the Pope John Paul II Cultural Center in Washington for an early evening interfaith meeting, April 17th, with Buddhist, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, and representatives of other religions, space will be at a premium. Now see, this, is, this event would be highly esteemed among men, right? That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God, though. You've got all this yoking up with false religions and cults. God has nothing to do with this. But the Pope's been on this bandwagon for a long time. You know, to unite all the one world religions. And most likely that is going to... The the one world religious system is going to be set up underneath the Catholic Church. I think when it's all said and done, it's not going to be called the Catholic Church anymore. It's going to be an amalgamation of all of these different... Various death cults. Because that's what they cause. They're a cult that brings you to death and hell. It's going to be amalgamation. See, what happened at the Tower of Babel, where God dispersed them, I believe a lot of the reason he confounded their languages and, and they dispersed to different parts of the world is because they had their own unique piece of the occult puzzle. Of the satanic puzzle that Satan had maybe shown a given group. That was what building the Tower of Babel was all about. Well, when God confounded their languages and, and sent them to the four corners of the earth type of thing, not saying they went to the four corners of the earth right then, but when that all happened, they each took their own respective piece of witchcraft, occultic witchcraft, with them. Now, what's happening in the end times, they're seeking to rebuild this Tower of Babel. They're seeking to all get on the same page. They're seeking to bring their own respective pieces of their of the witchcraft that that particular cult or religious cult has guarded. And they're going to all get on the same page. And that witchcraft that they are practicing is going to become very much more powerful as a result. Because all those missing pieces are going to be brought back together. That's my opinion. But I think that's what we're going to see. Witchcraft is going to be the essence of the coming one world religion. I've done whole studies on this. It is right now anyway. Witchcraft's the the essence of Buddhism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, Catholicism included, because there's a ton of stuff they do from a witchcraft standpoint in Catholicism, particularly behind closed doors. Witchcraft's the essence of what's coming. And the Antichrist himself is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. That word, the craft, is an an acronym or just another way of saying witchcraft. There's whole books written called The Craft. I've, I've went over this many times. The Line, Signs, and Wonders and Miracles, what's going to be the basis for that? Parlor tricks? Sleight of hand? I don't think so. It's going to be the most high-level witchcraft you've ever witnessed. All this garbage, even with these aliens and ascended masters and all that garbage. Where do they get their power? Where does it come from? It's satanically um, driven. But it's witchcraft, essentially. That's, it's, it's wickedness. So let's go further here. Uh, Many top U.S. Christian leaders have been very involved in the interfaith movement as well. For example, Brian McLaren, one of the top leaders of the emerging church movement, actually celebrated Ramadan, 
the Islamic holiday, back in 2009. Rick Warren, a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, I mean, he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, Rick Warren, which is basically one of the main groups of the Illuminati. You got, you know, Council of Foreign Relations, you got Bilderbergers, um, there's many other groups that meet. He's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. And yet people follow him by the droves, by his cursed, wicked books. If you got any of his books, I'd burn them. It's like bringing a cursed object in your house. The man's pure evil. All he's doing is taking people to hell. Satan is using Rick Warren mightily. Let's go further here. Rick Warren, so he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations and has been a guest speaker at the National Conference of the Islamic Society of North America. And I've, I've done whole teachings on that where we've mentioned him and we've given you his quotes that he said during that. He's huge on yoking up with Islam. Well, we've got to have a one-world religious system some way. And these are the people that Satan is using to grease the skids to make that all happen. Some time ago, a virtual who's who of evangelical Christian leaders that included Rick Warren, Robert Schuler, Brian McLaren, Richard Civic, and Bill Hybels, of Willow Creek, I believe, all signed a letter to the Islamic community that was entitled, Loving God and Neighbor Together. This letter made it abundantly clear that these Christian leaders considered Allah and the Christian God to be the same entity. Man, I tell you, the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying they represent the house of the Lord. But they do claim to be Christians. And I wouldn't want to be in 100 miles of a lot of these people when this judgment comes down. And I think those days are coming. I really do. I also understand this is part of the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. These, these mouth, mouthpieces of Satan are just feeding you lies. And it's only going to get worse according to the word of God. But they, they consider... Allah and the Christian God to be the same entity. And that couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Let's take a quick look at a couple of quotes from the letter. This was the letter that these devils wrote to the Islamic community. Um, which included Rick Warren, Robert Schuler, Brian McLaren, Richard Civic, and Bill Hybels. And the letter was entitled, Loving God and Neighbor Together. Let's take a quick look at some of the quotes. First quote, Before we shake your hand in response to your letter, in responding to your letter, we ask forgiveness of the all-merciful one in Islam. The all-merciful one is one of the key names for Allah. So, these devils are getting on bended knee, groveling to this Islamic death cult, and groveling and asking them for forgiveness 
in the name of the All Merciful One, which is in which they mean is Allah, All Merciful. That's the most merciless death cult religion I've ever seen. I mean, if if, if Islam represents mercy, I don't know what mercy is. I, I, I'm, I'm totally deluded on what my definition of mercy must mean. Because if they're anything, it's not merciful. And again, just reference one of the, you know, um, many, many teachings I've done on Islam. Just key in Islam in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com on the right-hand side. And you'll see all the, all the teachings we've done on that. So going further, so in this letter, the Christian leaders were praying to Allah and were asking for his forgiveness and were acknowledging that he is God. Here's another quote from the letter. Quote, if we fail to make every effort to make peace and come together in harmony, you, meaning Islam, the people of Islam, you correctly remind us that our eternal souls, quote, our eternal souls, they emphasize that, are at stake as well. I mean, this just gets my blood boiling to read this. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. That's tough to do sometimes. I admit it. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. This is tough stuff to even read. It is so blasphemous. So abhorrent. So totally, unbelievably unbiblical. Let me read that last sentence to you again, if you didn't catch it all. They're they're groveling to Islam. Rick Warren and the boys and the gang. And they're saying, if we fail to make every effort every effort to make peace and come together in harmony you correctly remind us that our eternal souls are at stake as well so in other words if we don't yoke up with your devil death cult called Islam that if we don't make every effort to yoke up with you and to grovel to you and to be in harmony with you what would that mean if you were if you were to really mean that? That mean that would mean from a Quranic standpoint, from an Islamic standpoint, that you would have to convert to Islam. I'm not saying that every all the Christians are going to start converting to Islam. That probably will start happening. Who knows? To a certain extent, but that would mean ultimately that you would have to become Islamic. And if we don't do that, then our eternal souls are at stake as well. So they're going to ultimately end up going to hell if they don't do this. Going further, the truth is that Jesus would never have wanted anything to do with this one world religion and the new world order that it's trying to bring in. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. There's nothing about Allah in that verse. There's nothing about Islam or any other death religious cult either. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's no other way to heaven. There is. There is none other name given among in heaven, given among men, whereby you must be saved. Jesus Christ, that's it. It's not Allah, or any other name. Buddha, Confucius, whatever. All those guys are dead and in the grave. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and ever maketh intercession for the saints. He is the Alpha of the Omega. He is the first and the last. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, according to John, first, uh, John chapter 1. So this is all, I mean, this is just total abomination and stench in God's nostrils. This whole deal that we're talking about. But it's not some little trivial matter that we can just ignore as Christians. Because there's going to be more and more pressure put upon Christians to capitulate and yield to this type of demonic pressure. Going further, you would think it'd be so clear that no Christian leader would be able to misunderstand it. In fact, the very first of the Ten Commandments is about how no other God, God should ever be worshipped except for the one true God. Exodus 23 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But today, everybody wants to be politically correct, and that is especially true of religious leaders. I don't want to say everybody, because that's not really, you know, obviously it's not true of us listening to this broadcast, hopefully. I mean, maybe some listening to it it is, but for the most part, I know it's not. But this is exactly what the global elite want. They want everyone herded into one giant global religion that they will be able to take charge of and control. Absolutely. Of course, once the global religion is established, they won't have much use for the real Jesus Christ or the Bible. They don't have any use for him now. Next article is entitled... Well, this was a this was just an uh, like a table of contents contents of one of Texmar's most recent um, uh, newsletters or audio broadcasts that he did, and I just thought a lot of a lot of these things I've had a lot of people send me or I've seen, and I, I just can't cover them all. But this is just an excerpt of how thi- how insane the pseudo-Christian church has become. And I call them pseudo because they're false. I don't want to say the Christian church, because if they were really Christians, they wouldn't be doing this garbage. This is from this is from May 20th. It's a little dated, but it applies just as much. Tex-Mars reports are on the wild and wilder in the religious world, filled with fruitcake Christian apostasy. Number one, sexy Christian women into pole dancing for Jesus. You heard about that one? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen their news reports. It's just that I can't report on everything. They showed them. They interviewed them. I saw the interviews, the whole thing. Pole dancing for Jesus. Like what strippers do. They pole dance. Yeah. Sexy Christian women in the pole dancing for Jesus. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Philippians 4, verse 5. That's really letting your moderation be known unto all men. Pole dancing for Jesus. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. First John, you know, I mean, you could go on and on and I mean, you could do a whole study on it. You know. The women, it's desirable to be of a meek and a quiet spirit, this type of thing. Oh yeah, the Paul Dancy of Jesus is definitely fulfilling scripture. Number two, three lesbian pastors officially received into the Lutheran church. Now, the Lutheran Church and the Episcopalian and a lot of these other churches, particularly of a Protestant, why do I say that? Because these are the churches that were came out of the Catholic Church. The whole Martin Luther thing, 95 Thesis nailed on the door, they came out of them. These are denominations that started as a result of that. They're going to be going back to the mother whore pretty soon, the Catholic Church. They're wanting to get back to her anyway. I really believe that. That assimilation will probably take place before the one world religious system is even in place. It would just make logical sense that that would happen. Because it's such a logical fit. They came out of her, they're going to go back into her. Into the mother whore church. Catholicism. Lutherans are right there. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of the same garbage that, that go on. In the Catholic Church. Not not near to the extent, but they're getting there. Number three, he's back. Former head of the National Association of Evangelicals, Ted Haggard, says he's, he favors gay marriage and welcomes gays, lesbians, and transgenders into his church in Colorado. Yeah, good old Ted Haggard. The guy that had the gay um, homosexual affair with the gay male prostitute, and they were doing drugs together. Yeah. But, you know, he, that didn't disqualify him from being a pastor. Come on, why can't we all just lighten up a little? Of course it didn't disqualify him. Even though the guidelines for a pastor was clearly laid out, husband of one wife, not wife of, not wife of one husband. No such thing in the New Testament as, as a woman pastor, sorry. Or deacon, elder, bishop, whatever you want to say. I've done teachings on that. You can get mad at me all day long. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Well, that's a corrupted Bible version you're using. Oh yeah, and yours and yours is the right one, right? The one that's derived from the Viticanus and the Sinaiticanus, corrupt Catholic manuscripts that spawned the 1881 revised version of Westcott and Hoare, two occultists that put that thing together? Oh, but I'm the one in the wrong. Because I want to stick to the, the Bible that's inspired from the Texas Receptus, the majority text, the Byzantine text. The one that had always been used and was started in Antioch, where they were first called Christians, and only produced one English Bible, not 200 versions, like those corrupt Catholic manuscripts did. They spawned itself from the Catholic Church. But I'm the one in the wrong on that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You got me. Right where you want me. I've done many teachings on that subject. King James Bible. Just King King James in there. In the keyword search box on contendingfortruth.com. You know, homosexuality, sodomy, it's all condemned in the Bible, New and Old Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament, it was, a, it was an instant death sentence. And the Bible was very clear in the Old Testament that because these things happened, it defiled the land. Child sacrifice and homosexuality were the two things mentioned um, 
or emphasize that literally defiled and cursed the land. Now, I'm not saying there's other things you couldn't do that could defile and curse the land. But, you know, evidently, good old Ted Hager, you know, I, I just cannot believe these congregations. They must be so demonically deluded, brainwashed, and I, I just can't even comprehend this happening, and then people going back and sitting underneath this same guy again. They've been given over to a reprobate mind. I don't know what else to think. I, I just can't, I just don't know whether, what other conclusion I could come to. That they've been given over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. Just like the homosexuals, the lesbians, and, and, the, and the gay men that it talks about in Romans chapter 1. And they glory in their shame, like they did in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't know what other conclusion I can come to. They're so out in the open, they're so flagrant, they're so proud of themselves. They're so proud of their liberality. It's like they're liberal. We're, we're liberal Christians. How, how does that work? Isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you think God would be on err on the side of conservatism? You know, you can, God's you know, let your moderation be known. No, no, man, we're, we're supposed to you know try to abide by biblical things. These people don't care about the Bible. If they even look at the Bible, it's a perver- it's a perverted, corrupted version. So it has no bearing on their life. They're they're just going about their whatever their heart tells them feels right. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. They follow a man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. That's what they do. That's what they're all about. And I mean, it's just, it's just incomprehensible to me. I know the Bible predicts it, but it's still, it, it, it's still almost, I don't know, it's just insanity. Number four, former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, a recent convert to Roman Catholicism, teams up with gay priest Father Michael Seed. Seed, meanwhile, is outed for hosting wild parties for transvestite nuns and for ripping off the rich by selling Vatican knighthoods. Now, I have to admit, I bought me one of those Vatican knighthoods earlier. It was a moment of weakness, everyone. Come on. Cut me some slack. I told you I wasn't perfect. Those not- and they were cheap, man. And if I ordered three Vatican knighthoods, I got a free chili cheese dog at 7-Eleven. I couldn't pass it up. I'm only human. Anyway, sorry, just teasing. Uh, yeah, so... Tony Blair, you know, he's he's uh he's yoking up with some good good people, good people here. Father Michael, see the Bible call it says, call no man father but your father in heaven. That term is totally unbiblical. So is the word reverend. That's an abomination. There's oh, it's used one time in the Bible, and it's in reference to God. Holy and reverend is he, is how the verse reads. And it's in reference to God. And people have the audacity, and it was started in the Catholic Church, that term reverend. People have the audacity to call themselves reverend? Like, I am, I am deserving of reverence. 
sounds like you're in the Freemasons, where they give these long, lofty titles like Most Worshipful Master. I mean, it's so sickening. Number five, and more on the Catholic convert Tony Blair, he's coming to America, invited to speak at Southern Baptist University. Yeah, the Southern Baptists, they're right on track too. There's more Freemasons in the Southern Baptists, and I'm talking in high level, like pastors, deacons, bishops, whatever you want to call them. Huge, huge. I, I guess they don't call it a problem. It's okay. These Freemasons that are going to hell. I, I just don't believe you could be a Freemason and be a born-again Bible-believing Christian. You take those blood oaths that, that you got to take and those degrees? No, 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 no. Holy Spirit living inside you should be convicting you something's majorly, majorly wrong if you're a born-again Christian. And if bare minimum, if, if, if you're not being chastened by God, if your conscience isn't being pricked over this stuff, you know... If you, be, if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. I'm just flat out telling you how it... it I mean, I, I, can't, I can't see a Freemason being saved. I just can't. You've got to take all these blood oaths that basically, you know, have my tongue ripped out of my head and, and my brain's exposed to the, to the sun and, you know, my back flailed open. All these things that you have to take and the Bible says, swear not. We're not supposed to go around swearing these types of oaths. Very clear, all contradictory to the word of God, but I'm a Christian. There's a lot of Freemasons that call themselves Christians. And a ton of them are in the Southern Baptist Convention. They, they brought all kind of worldly garbage into the Southern Baptists. All kind of. I've reported on many, many things. But Tony Blair, this wonderful guy, Catholic, Number six, famed evangelist Billy Graham says some people are born Christians. So you don't got to get saved anymore. It's kind of like how John Hagee believes that the Jews are just saved because of the blood that flows through their veins because they're Jewish. It's called ethnic salvation. Billy Graham says some people are born Christians. Oh, he's a Freemason. I've done a whole teaching on Billy Graham. All his heresy and apostasy. Yoking up with the gays and, and, and yoking up with the Catholics and his Freemasonic membership. And, oh, you could go on and on and on about Billy Graham. Number seven. At a marriage at Britain's Prince William's and Kate Middleton, Muslim, Hindu, and Jewish traditions blended into their ceremony. Marriage was officiated by Archbishop Rowan, who is an initiate and witch of the Order of Druids. Yeah, that's who they got married by, a witch. I'm sure God's going to bless that cursed union. Prince William and Kate Middleton. And they blended all this... I mean, this is the, this is the coming... This is the, the pattern for the coming... Um, not only one world religious system, but for the pattern for the coming weddings that, that, that will be probably sanctioned by the government. you got to blend all the faiths into one. Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, everything. And then get married by a witch. Kind of like the cherry on top of the sundae. Number eight. Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney 
Now, I don't know if you knew this, but his first... That's Mitt is his actually his middle name. His first name's Oven. Get it? Oven Mitt? Anyway, sorry. Just kidding. Um, anyway, Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney, a Mormon, belatedly attempts to clean up his past. Romney, who once bragged he could out-Kennedy Ted Kennedy, who was well-known for all of his demonic exploits... Romney led Gay Day parades in Boston and approved of triple X porno movies at a hotel at a hotel chain he owns. But he's he's a good conservative Mormon. Christian Mormon, probably. Because a lot of the Mormons call them, you know, they're they're Christian Mormons. Even though they don't even believe that. I was just watching there was a documentary um, regarding uh, UFO aliens that were actually spotted in the Old West. I saw recently. I, I couldn't watch the whole thing. It was... And we don't have cable, but I just saw it online. And they got to the part about Joseph Smith. Now, I've done a whole teaching on Mormonism. You can key it in the search box, box contendingfortruth.com. That devil Joseph Smith. And who was a Freemason and who stole the, um, the secrets of Freemasonry and incorporated them into a modified version of that, which was the Mormon religion. All the special handshakes and holy Mormon underwear and all this other garbage gets its roots in Freemasonry. Bill Schneblin, who was at one time a very, very high-level witch, was told that when, if you ever get into trouble as a witch, and what had happened is, is he had sent his dues into the first church of Satan, that, or the, the uh, Satanic church, Anton LaVey's church, and when he got the canceled check back, it said, I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name. And he said, from that point forward, he lost all of his witchcraft occultic power, him and his wife both, and they were, they were totally, they, they couldn't do anything uh, from a witchcraft standpoint. They lost all their power. From Probably one old little lady praying for him. It just shows you the power of God. Well, he was told, if that ever happened, where he ran into a crisis as a high-level witch, the Mormon church was always a safe haven for high-level occultists or occultists to go into where they could go, and they could meld into it, and and it would be like a place they could go, like a safe haven. And that's what they did. And when they got into the Mormon church, since he was already a mega, mega high-level Freemason, and a Druid priest, and a Gnostic Catholic priest, and he was into voodoo and the Church of Satan, well, he knew, him and his wife both knew a lot of the, the, the um, I guess they got like a fast-track program in the Mormon church. You probably have this in a lot of cults. And it's like a fast-track program, and, and it's kind of like they scout out their, their people coming into the church, and if somebody has a very high-level of occult knowledge, they're they're taken off to the side. And they get to go the fast-track way. They get to, you know, uh, go to the front of the line, essentially. And they knew all these handshakes and all this other garbage, and they they went to a very, very high level in the Mormon church. A lot of times, I would imagine that people that had been in there the whole life were never even able to attain, because they didn't have all this occult knowledge. But in this stupid documentary, they were talking about how Joseph Smith and, and the angel Moroni 
and that he, he appeared to him wherever he appeared to him. It was like upstate New York or something. He said, there's these golden plates, you need to go dig them up and all this other garbage. And this is how supposedly the Mormon religion got started. Really what it was more than anything, I think that was all a bunch of garbage. Maybe, maybe a fallen angel did appear to him and direct him in that way. But he stole the, the secrets from the Freemasonry. And that was how he got killed. It even said it in the documentary. It said he was killed in, in all kinds. They didn't really go into that. But the actual people that killed him, from what I heard, when he was in jail, were actually Freemasons. There's a very high likelihood that that's what killed him. Why? Well, he had violated all the blood oaths that he had taken. Being a Freemason, you're not supposed to divulge these secrets. That's what the blood oaths are about. You keep the secrets. It's Gnosticism. It's occult, and that word means hidden. It's occult knowledge you're not supposed to divulge. That's how he ended up getting killed. They killed him. They took him out. Because he'd done this. And then good old Brigham Young took over the old Mormon cult. But they were saying in the thing, the point they were trying to make in the stupid documentary was that this angel Moroni that said he lived on another planet. And see, the gods of Mormonism, they, I believe, uh, live, the, the main one lives on like planet Kolob or something. And it's such garbage. If you ever uh, want to see a little brief synopsis of it, I mean, you can go up to chick.com, and they got a section on Mormonism. And they've got tracks you can give to Mormons, and it tells you the whole story. It, it, it's, it's a total cult. I mean, total cult, cultic belief system. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Nothing. But the point they were trying to make is that this angel who had supposedly been the one that inspired Joseph Smith was actually, they were saying there's a high likelihood he could have been an alien because he dwelt on another planet. Well, he might have been posing as that, true, true. Fallen angel telling him, oh, I live on this planet far, far away. You need to start this cult. You need to do this, you need to do that. And he followed this advice. Plus, he took all the secrets from the Freemasons and he's had his own little... Cult. And Satan, Satan blessed it. I guess if you, if that's possible, Satan sanctioned it. And thus you have the Mormon religion today. And good old Mitt Romney being one of the front runners of the presidential thing. But a lot of this stuff, if that's who they want in there, because these 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 elections are all contrived. It, it just key and vote fraud up on like YouTube or something. HBO did a huge documentary on it. I mean, totally proved it. The, the, uh, blackboxvoting.org. Um, you know, the votes The votes have been rigged for a long time. I mean, at that level, I'm not saying all city um, type of voting is all rigged. I'm not saying that. But now that we've gone totally away from paper ballots, and it's all electronic pretty much, for the most part, for these presidential ones... You know, it's garbage. It's the people they want in there. It's the blood. It's the right Illuminati bloodline that gets in there. And it's proof, in fact, Obama's related to all these other people in the same Illuminati bloodline. That's, I've seen many, many things on that. And so was Bush and all these other guys. High-level occultists. Generational Luciferians. That's who have run our country for a long time. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control still. Okay, but... From a satanic standpoint, this is how Satan's arranging things. Okay, let's go further. Uh, number 10, Vatican publicly praises Buddhism as a religion of, quote, truth. Number 11, Crystal Cathedral in California files for bankruptcy, tells gays and people shacking up to stay away. 
which would actually be good, but founder and now retired reverend, there's nothing reverend about this guy, that's for sure. Dr. Robert Schuler is angry at the new direction of his once very liberal church. Now, you know, I, I, I just cannot believe they're getting back to true Bible-believing Christianity. Hopefully they did take the stance, but... Anyway, number 12, Zionist pastor John Hagee hosts Republican presidential candidate, thrice married, Newt Gingrich, in the church's pulpit. So he's married three times. Um, Number 13, evangelist Greg Laurie uses homosexual singers and raucous, raucous rock bands to lure audiences to crusades. I'm sure a lot of people are truly getting converted from that, you know. Homosexual singers, raucous rock bands? I mean, hey, you know, sounds like Bible-believing Christianity to me. Number 14, Harvard's Reverend. These guys just love titles. Reverend. Yeah, I'm a doctor. True. But like Paul said, I count that all dung. You know, in comparison to Pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. I'm not going to sit here and brag about that stuff. I don't feel like I'm any better than anybody else. Just because I'm a doctor. Whatever. You know. Am I any better in God's eyes because I'm a doctor? No. Of course not. That's why the Bible says to not think of yourself more highly than you ought. To consider the pit from whence you're dug. To be meek and humble and lowly and these types of things as Christ was as well. Reverend Peter J. Gomes, a homosexual black pastor, acclaimed by gays as their, quote, champion, dies at 68. I bet you, as he lift up his head in the flames and the torments of hell, he was highly regretting the lifestyle path that he had chosen. And he wasn't born that way either. That's garbage. Gomes despised biblical Christians and called them homophobics. But he was a he was a reverend, Harvard reverend, homosexual black pastor. But he despised biblical Christians. <laughs> you see anything wrong with this picture? And then 15, Pastor Joe Neal's blasphemous NASCAR prayer. Now, we're going to have to listen to this one. Have you, have you heard this yet? This NASCAR prayer? No, I'm going to let you listen to this. You're not going to believe this. Okay, I'm going to roll this. This is at a gigantic NASCAR event where they race, race stock cars, you know, which is really, literally has a, a gigantic cult following. Like a lot of professional type sports. I mean, it's their God. It literally is. And it's entitled, now, this site is not a not a Christian site that I'm playing this off, but they have the actual video. And it's entitled, um, and now for something entirely different, Boogity, 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 Amen. And it's by Pastor Joe Neal's NASCAR Nation. Okay, so this is him praying before the cars rev up and get down, you know, get around that track and go in a circle over and over and over again, which really accomplishes so much. And I know my life is enriched by it. 
I mean, I cannot tell you how much my life is enriched by NASCAR. Just kidding. Teasing. Anyway, let's go ahead and roll this. And finally, we take you to Nashville, Tennessee, and the NASCAR Nationwide Series race where Pastor Joe Nelms delivers one of the most unusual pre-race prayers you will ever hear. No, most blasphemous. Okay, here it goes. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear Tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the Little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, And the crowd goes wild. Isn't that special? Now, that was a hallmark moment. Uh, yeah, you heard that right. That was at, and that, he reminds me of like a Southern Baptist. We just talked about the Southern Baptist. And he reminds me, he probably is a Southern Baptist pastor. And he, he probably firmly believes, I guess, he's in Lord's, the Lord's will saying this blasphemous, uh, talking about his smoking hot wife and, and, and all the praying for thanking God for all the, the performance technologies out there and the Sunoco gas fuel and the tires and the, these these machines and this power and oh my word I, I you mean where do you even begin on something like that but that is just a good cross section of the insanity and and the crowd goes wild I mean the people love it secular world that that wouldn't offend nobody. I mean, it, it offends me as a Bible-believing Christian, but I'm talking about as far as a secular, from a secular standpoint, you know, anybody's going to think that's hilarious and, 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 it, and it, make, it placates their own mind, too, to think, hey, man, if that, if that guy's a, a pastor and, and he's out there and he's saying stuff like that, you know, I must be in pretty good shape with God because I wouldn't even think about saying that. He said things that I, I think a lot of people there the race car drivers and a lot of the fans that would never probably say in public. It's funny if a pastor does it, though, and what it does is it sanctions that type of behavior in the minds of, let's say, a lukewarm church member or somebody that's not saved or somebody that has a little bit of bro cream religion, a little dabble do you. That type of behavior sanctions that in their mind, and they think, hey, I'm in pretty good shape. Look at this. This pastor's as blasphemous as you get, and he's going to heaven. Well, I must be in pretty good shape too. That's what it ultimately does. See, Satan's using people like that devil. I don't even want to call him a pastor. He's an abomination from the pit of hell as far as I'm concerned. He's using people like that mightily in order to advance his agenda, in order to to just create this lukewarm, vomit atmosphere of Christianity. Yeah, so that's what this whole first part of this teaching has kind of been being devoted to is just this particular subject. Okay, I kind of looked ahead at what I've got left and I'm really going to need another part to cover these next pages that pertain to this subject. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here and we'll go to part two next. God bless you.
Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.